Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Um, I called one of my best friends this past week, and uh, his name is Hobbs, and that is his nickname because our freshman year of college, uh, he had blonde hair that was curly, and he, he was about 5'8", but he has like a size 11 shoe, has huge feet, and they're hairy, and he looks like Pippin from like the Hobbit. And I said, you, your name is Hobbs from now on, and no lie, since then, uh, his name has been Hobbs. Even at his workplace now, on legal documentation, his name is Josh Hobbs like he still goes by Hobbs, and I love it, and I'm proud of that, all right? But I called Hobbs this past week because I knew that he was a big fan of the show Friends. Anybody with me? All right? Um, and I called him because I knew that he loved Friends. Anytime we did Friends trivia uh, over the past decade, uh, I always wanted to be a part of Hobbs' team, all right, because it's just going to win. He knew everything about Friends. Um, and so I called him and I was like, man, I just wanted to know how you felt since Chandler Bing has passed away. And he goes, I'm not going to lie, like, like it hurt, like it hurt because, uh, you know, that show had, like I've watched it tens of thousands of times and I fell in love with the character of, of Chandler Bing and just like, like some of my jokes are his jokes, right? Like he just kind of compared his life with Chandler Bing, all right? And um, but he goes, in all honesty, like, his death actually shook me a little bit more than that. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, in all honesty, ever since um, I heard about that, the, the reality of the situation is, is that Matthew Perry has stood face to face with Jesus, and he had to take an account for all of his life from that point on. And he goes, uh, my prayer is that during some of his rehab sessions, my prayer is that he found Jesus. Like, like I really do hope that he found Jesus. But even more than that, Brent, it kind of shook me in the fact of like, someday I will too have to stand in front of Jesus and take an account for all of my life. And he's like, it kind of made me a little bit fearful, right? Like, it, like, like it's only going to be you and Jesus. And he's like, I'm, I was a little afraid. It kind of shook me because it kind of made me be like, okay, what are some things that I need to, to fix? What are some things I need to make better? And he's like, it kind of made me fearful. But then he goes, it flipped because he's like, then I realized there was some freedom in that. Like I realized that there was some freedom when I started thinking about the end of my life because it started putting on some perspective on the now. Because and then we started talking about, he's like, man, I've just been kind of fearful over the last couple of weeks. Like he's like, in all honesty, he's like, I, I wonder if World War III is about to happen. Like, do I need to be a doomsday prepper? Like, do I need to go buy all these canned foods and waters and hide in my closet, like type of fear? He's like, I've been worried about that. And he goes, and then I've, I've been worried about finances. Like, had to pay $10,000 for an air conditioning system. And uh, I got two girls, and my wife had to quit her job so she could take care of the two girls. And then we're going to have to pay for cars and, and colleges and marriage. Don't even get me started 
started with their weddings and like, are they going to marry the right dude? And he's like, I just literally went down this rabbit hole of fear for the past three weeks, Brent. But then I thought about this and how the end, you know, it, it almost gave me some freedom knowing that Jesus is there for me. And what I'm fearing now, does it even matter in the long scheme of things? And I was like, Hobbs, how awesome would it be? Because I just got through studying the, the piece of scripture that we're going to we're going to talk about today. I was like, just think how awesome it would be if you could look back at your full long life. Hopefully, hopefully we live till we're 80-something, okay? If the world is still here. Don't freak out, Hobbs. It's still here, okay? If, 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 in 80, if when we're 80-something, if we can look back and with confidence say, you know what, God? Like, I lived in full faith, knowing that you were God and knowing that you were going to show up in finances, knowing that you were going to show up in my girls' lives, knowing that you were going to show up in all of these ways that I was fearful of. And you gave him that. And you're able to look back, you know, 60 years from now and be able to say, man, like, God, like, you showed up. And the highs and the lows, you showed up. I was faithful for you, and you were faithful towards me. It's like, seriously, like, how awesome would that be? Students, I love what the title is for this sermon. This is the title of the sermon, and I believe it is, it is the perfect name for this message today. Simply this, live well to end well. Live well to end well. And, and, and we're looking at the very last sermon of 2 Timothy. This is the very last bit of, of scripture that, that Timothy is right that Paul is writing to Timothy and this is the last bit of remnants, everything that he's scraping together. And I think it's beautiful because it's it's a testimony that Paul is trying to convey to Timothy, live well to end well. This is what the chapter says, chapter four, verse six. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. But Timothy, listen, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also all those who have loved his appearing. Timothy is listening to Paul, and he's just really just sharing his testimony. And what Paul is saying here is he's finally at the point in his life where he knows that Nero is not going to let him go. I think Nero just kind of wised up here and realized, like, huh, I hate Christianity, but I keep on seeing that all these little churches are popping up, and I wonder why. And then he realizes, everybody talks about Paul, well, I got him in prison, like, I can't let him go because he's probably going to start another 20 churches and these Christians are going to be around some more. So inevitably what happens is a few short months after this letter is written is that, that Paul actually takes his final, death, uh, uh, final breath because Nero actually has him martyred for his faith. But what Nero doesn't know is that you can kill the man, but you cannot kill the mission of God. And because of the mission of God and because of what Paul had done 2,000 years ago, we are still talking about Jesus today. But what I like about this verse is Paul is at the end of his life. He goes, listen, I'm already being poured out and, and my time has already come. All right, I know that death is just around the corner. And he's almost like, okay, like he's just okay with it. 
Like he's just okay, like I know that I'm about to die, but here's are some things that, and, but here's why, and like here are some things that, that I can evaluate to be able to say of why I'm okay with my death. Because he's able to say, I lived well. I lived well so I can end well. I know that I was a wretched sinner. I know that I cast, I casted out Christians out into the streets and I had them murdered and I had them crucified. I know that I used to be that person. But because of God's grace and because God's mercy, I was able to be saved. And since that day, I had given God everything. And he had this evaluation tool. He says he has three evaluation tools that he's able to say why he had a good life. What did he say? He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Students, I don't know where you are at spiritually. Only you and Jesus can be the judge of where you are at spiritually. All I do know this is just like Matthew Perry and just like Paul and just like all those who have fallen before this, there will be a day where you will have to take an account for your whole life. You will have to be able to look at your whole life and say, this is what my life has looked like, God. And my hope and my prayer is that we can be at the end of our life, just like Paul is here, and you can have the confidence in saying, you know what? It's okay for me to, to die. It's okay for my time to be coming to an end because I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I kept the faith. And because of that, what does he say there? Because of that, like God's going to reward me. He's going to give me a crown. I, I think Paul's probably got all the crowns up in there, all right? But I know that God is going to reward me. And he's not saying that in a cocky or arrogant way. He's saying that in a confident way, saying like, I have done these things. And, and God has, man, he has used me in such extraordinary ways. Like I'm excited to be face to face with him. But he can have a good ending because he had an intentional life. My hope is that we too can understand if we can live well, we can end well as well. But how do we do that? Let's use the same evaluation tools that Paul used for his own life. He had three evaluation tools of, of how we can make sure that we are living well. First, he says what? I have fought the good fight. Now, I know all of us fight, right? I know all of us Maybe have a little argument, a little bickering, all right? Some of us more than others. No amens, okay, good. No nudges to your roommates. Man, dishes can be a problem, can they not? My goodness, trash taken out. I remember those days, they'd pile that sucker high. I'm like, just take the trash bag out, right? Then they start stacking it up next to it. I'm like, oh my goodness, not a Christian, Right? But the battles that most of us face, are they good fights? Like, are they, are they considered good fights for us? Like, in all honesty, take, take, take thought of your last argument with somebody. Most likely, it was due because you had pride and you had selfishness. If you took pride and selfishness out of your last argument and you put in a loving grace of Jesus and the aroma of Jesus and you put in uh, just humility in that same argument, do you think that that fight would have 
had the same outcome as the one that you actually had? Probably not. But while there are bad fights that we should not engage in, Paul is saying there is a good fight that we should engage in. There is a battle that we should consider good and noble and honorable. And the battle that Paul mentioned his whole life, it's the main theme of his whole life, was simply this. He was on fire to win people's souls for Jesus. He held nothing back. He gave Christ his all that day that he met Jesus and he says, I'm going to live for you everything that I am from this day forward to share the good news to as many people as I can. He wanted people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. Do you have that same mentality, students? Like, like, do we have this confidence that we can look at our life right now and say, man, I'm fighting that good fight. Like, I've literally done all that I could do, Lord. If you were to take me now, I could be confident in knowing that I have fought this good fight and that I'm constantly fighting this good fight to bring the love of Jesus to the lost. I'm fighting that fight, Lord. Can we say that? What I think, though, like before we can even get to fighting the good fight and, and and sharing the love of Jesus to the lost. I think that there's, there's another fight that many of us college students, I myself went through it. Many of my friends went through it. I believe that there's another fight that many of us are going through right now. Maybe not all of us, but many of us are going through right now that is actually winning. That the other side of it is actually winning against us. <clears throat> I think for some of us, not all of us, we are going through this fight right now that is actually a fight over the battleground at which you are fighting from. Because where you are fighting from determines what you are fighting for. And this is what I mean. You are college students in 2023, and whatever you do now is going to set the trajectory of who you are going to be the rest of your life. And I know things are shifting and moving, and you're trying to figure out what's next, and you're trying to do all this, but many of us in this room, we are fighting to keep our darkness rather than fighting to be the light of Jesus. Like the ground that you are standing on right now is that I'm trying to be just Christian enough that I can be considered Christian, but I can't change everything about me because I still want some things to hold on to. There are certain non-negotiables in my life that I'm just not willing to change. And it's this battle between you and this darkness, and it's, it's just this constant battle of you trying to hold on to this darkness in your life. And I call this thing the gray zone. And some of us are fighting to keep some of our old ways rather than just fleshing it out and being sold out for Jesus Christ with everything that we do. And what we do, Christians, and, and, and I'm not speaking at you, I'm speaking with you because I floated that gray zone so well. I tiptoed it so well. Like, is this really that bad? Is this sin really that bad, right? Like, yeah, it's a sin, but, but man, you know what? Like, 
it's not as bad as someone else. There's this gray zone. And if I can just kind of speak at you for just a second. Like that gray zone, let's just be honest. I'm just going to call you where you're at, all right? You're just as honest to me, I'm going to be honest with you. Is that okay? If you ain't going to hear it from me, I don't know who you're going to hear it from. That gray zone can come from the way that we party. It can come to the way that we dress. Man, when I start talking about how you dress, man, I get some emails, all right? The way that we hold ourselves, the way that we date, the way that we talk, the way that we walk, the way that we argue, the way that we fight. It's not, it's not even the sense of like, man, I'm going super crazy and looking exactly like the world. It's not even that. It's the fact that you're just not being holy. Like, like, like you're still walking like, like the world, talking like the world. You're still looking a lot like the world. You're just not being super holy in Jesus. And that's the gray zone. And the battleground that you are standing right now is that you're holding on to this darkness and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to be this way and I'm only going to shine the light in the areas of my life that I want to. But then you have Paul that's saying, listen, I have fought the good fight. And that good fight is that I have been a complete vessel used by God since the day that I had met Jesus. And he, and he and I had a divine appointment, and that divine appointment changed my life. And in my life, he must increase, and I myself decrease. I want to be the way that he was. I want to speak the way that he spoke. I want to love the way that he loved. I want to have fun and do things the way that he desires me to have fun and do things. I act the way that he acts. I work the way that he wants me to work. I fellowship the way that he wants me to fellowship. I hang out with the people that he wants me to hang out with. I go to church. I get involved. I volunteer. I have, I have a good core friends that sharpen me and I sharpen them and the way that I do my whole life is done for Jesus and to bring people to his feet and the good fight is when the ground that you are standing on is that you're being a light first and that if any darkness comes into your life your goal is to destroy it and you are first and foremost a child of God and that nothing is going to penetrate who you are and what God has defined you to be and how, how awesome it is that he has saved a wretched soul like you and you are going to destroy the darkness that is inside of you and your goal is to, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to bring people to Jesus and that first, that inner battle within you needs to be destroyed and then you can go out into this world and be the hands and feet of Jesus that you need to be. Students, the fight that you have to determine is are you someone who is fighting for your darkness or are you someone who is fighting to share his light? Like, are you fighting to, fighting to save your darkness or are you fighting to share his light to people who need to know about Jesus? Ready for this? This is the real truth here. There's not a middle ground. Like you're either all in for Jesus or you're not. Like you're either sharing the love of Jesus or you're not. Like, like, like are you being sold out for Jesus? 
Because here's the reality of the situation. I don't want you to be alarmed here. One of these two ways that we are talking about, one of them is going to give you confidence at the end of your life, and you're going to be ready to see Jesus face to face. And the other will always, always bring you fear and trepidation because you're like, man, I don't know if I'm ready to see Jesus because of my life and because of what I've done. I don't know if I'm ready to see Jesus. And you're fearful to see Jesus. Students, let's just be honest here. It would be very hard for me to say, that I'm excited to see Jesus. It would be hard for me to look Jesus face to face and say, thank you for saving my life. Now let's look at my life and look how I have literally done nothing in you. I have not lived for you. I haven't relied on you. It would be, it would be very hard for me to have a, have a good ending of my life if I never lived for Jesus Students, are you fighting the good fight? Are you doing everything in your power to be like Jesus in all that you are doing and fighting for? And man, are you bringing people to the feet of Jesus? Second thing he says is, I haven't only fought the good fight, but I have finished the race. And Paul is saying, man, I've finished everything that, that I've set out to do. I have, I have done what... I have I've been able to do and I think that you can look at Paul's life and just study Paul man it's it's crazy just if you look at his life and you can see that he crammed so many things into the years of ministry that I have and I and I think he could confidently say I've I have finished and Paul is saying I have finally completed the course that God has ordained for me now you're starting to perk up like like I have finished the race like God has prepared this way for me, and I have finished it. You're like, dude, I get that. Like, what is, like, what's the will of God for my life? Like, like, I want to be able to know what's next. I want to be able to know what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do it. Like, Brent, listen, if it's Africa, tell me, all right? I'm going to shave my mullet, and I'll go to Africa, and I'll be able to say that. I only said that because I had, like, five people text me about my, my mullet joke last week uh, that listened to our podcast and said that was, that was hilarious because so many guys would shave their mullets to get a girlfriend. I believe it, right? No amens on that. Okay. But it's like you're eager. Like how many of y'all want to know the will of God for your life? Raise your hand. That's awesome. Like, like, like you want it, you yearn for it. Like, like the desire is there. Like I want to know what the will of God is for my life. I want to know exactly what's next. I want to know a five-year plan. Anybody with me, right? Like I want to know my five-year plan. Like I'm a planner. I'm a, like I'm ready to do this. Like, like just tell me and I will jump on it, all right? If I'm supposed to be this, I'll do it. But you want to know how to run this race. Like, how can you say that I have ran the race and I finished this race? Like, like, like I'm willing to. Uh, a few months ago, um, I had my three oldest boys. Uh, I want to try to do this every year. I want to I tape them racing each other, right? Don't know why. It's a weird dad thing, all right? But I lined them all up, and obviously the six-year-old is going to be faster than the four-year-old, and especially faster than the three-year-old. And so he wins the first one, and then I space them out, you know, I space, space one a little closer and one a little closer, and then, and then they raced a couple times that way, and then the four-year-old actually got to the point where he was winning some, and it was a cool little race, 
but the three-year-old never won. All right, even though I put him like 10 feet in front of me, the dude still, what he would do every time is he would turn around and he'd watch his brothers run and, and, and he just was like, ah, and like trips all over himself and like, and then he would cry that he didn't win. I'm like, dude, you're two feet in front of me. Like, how hard is it? Okay. And finally, about the, I knew that they were getting tired. And so I leaned over to Bodie and I was like, listen, Bodie, all right. The first one that gets to me wins. Remember that. I said, keep your eyes on me and then, and then race. Don't look at your brothers. Don't look at anything else. I want you to look at me, and I want you to run to me. He's like, okay, Daddy, got it, all right? Gives me like a great smile, great looking dude. Looks just like his mama. Um, does not look anything like me. Um, so I'm like, I was like, remember, guys, first one that gets to me wins. Like, okay, so we start off. And I said, already, set, go. Now, instantly, the first two, the two big guys, they're over, like, elbowing each other in the face, form tackling each other, trying to, like, trying to win. So they're distracted, and I'm, I'm looking at Bodie, and he's looking right at me, right? And I start moving, and I move all the way over to the left. I move kind of beside these trees. The big two don't even know it's happening, all right? And then Bodie's keeping his eyes on me, and I'm having him, I'm, I get behind this picnic table, and he's having to run around the picnic table, and he finally gets to me, and the other two finally get to where I was supposed to be, and they're like, what in the world? And I was like, hey, the first one that got to me won. He won. They're like, well, Dad, that's not very fair. I was like, listen, you should have kept your eyes on me, and then you could have won. Students, what if running this race in your life isn't about being the fastest or smartest or prettiest or who can do the most or being the holiest? What if running this race of life is how can I keep my eyes on Jesus daily? And when he moves, I move. And when I'm starting to run this other way and he, and he shifts where I'm supposed to shift and when he pivots, I'm supposed to pivot. And when he says, hey, you thought you were going to do this one degree, but actually I'm going to move over here and you're going to do this whole other degree. Oh, you thought you were going to finish school, but actually I'm calling you to do ministry. Anybody, anybody do ministry? Come on, any holy people. All right. I love it. Those are super Christians. Girls, marry you a good minister. Come on now. We might not be able to be very rich, but be rich in love. Okay? Come on. What about when life gets hard and you're running this race and it feels like you're just running in the muck and the mire and like you're down and you're depressed. I'm just telling you students, like look up, find Jesus and keep on running towards Jesus with everything that you have. But the other good thing about running the race with Jesus, and this is where I've, I've needed Jesus is when I fall away from Jesus. Anybody with me? When I've messed up, when I've screwed up, when I've, when I've started living my own life and I fell down. And, and this is what's so cool about running the race for Jesus is, is that at any moment, Jesus is always waiting for you. Maybe some of y'all need to know that tonight. Like Jesus is waiting for you to just stand back up, put your eyes back on him, and continue to run the race. He's there to forgive. He's there to encourage. He's there to pick you up. He is always there to be your merciful father wherever you are at. And I've needed that so many times in my life. But what if Hebrews 12 too is really the definition of what this looks like? 
It says, let us run the Run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and and provider of our faith. Students, when you want to look back on your life and have this confidence that Paul is having, what if you say, Lord, listen, I have finished the race that you've laid before me, and what you've laid before me is I'm supposed to continually look at you and run towards you, and it's not about how smart or anything that I am, but my life was always pointed towards you, and when you pivoted, I pivoted. When I was supposed to stop something, you told me, and I did it, and I kept on living for you and walking with you, and you started, and you kept on providing for me in ways that I never could imagine. Here's a side note, students, for some of you right now who are running, and it's, sometimes it can be difficult. It's, it's hard to run to anything else if you're running after Jesus, all right? And some of y'all who keep on slipping away or stumbling, like, only run towards Jesus. And I'm telling you, your whole life will change. Lastly, what does Paul say here? Paul says that he also kept the faith. And I know that might not mean much to some of you. Like, you're like, okay, he kept the faith. Like, but put yourself in Paul's shoes when time after time it would have been easy for him to get rid of his faith or turn away from his faith. Even when he had first obtained his faith, he had to leave everything that he knew because it was all built up and not in the name of Jesus. He had to leave literally everything and everyone that he knew to, to keep his faith. And then he went and preached to the very people that he was persecuting. And they're like, hold up. Like, like are we supposed to even trust you right now? Like, and they would mock him. And, 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 and he would just be like, no, listen. Like, I'm here because I love Jesus now. Like, he, like, it would have been easier for him to get rid of his faith. Even the people that were the leaders of the faith movement at that moment, he had to prove himself, not just weeks, not just months. He had to prove himself for Years And yes, it would have been easier for him to turn away from his faith. It would have been easier for him when he went to those cities and he talked about Jesus and then they would boo him out of the cities. And it would have been easier for him to turn away from his faith. It would have been easier for him and when he was being um, stoned and beaten for his faith. It would have been easier for him to turn away from his faith. The years that he spent in jail... Because of his faith, it would have been easier for him to turn away from his faith. But it wasn't something that he wanted to lose. Because he knew that even in this life, life is going to be hard. And he cared more about the two words after this life than he cared about anybody else's words in this life. He cared about two words, well done. And he kept this faith because he wanted to hear the two words in the afterlife, Well done. He wanted Jesus to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Students, when he says, I have done all these things because I I want this reward from Jesus, it shows me that he cares more about the rewards in heaven than he does about what is happening on this earth. And he can end well because he lived well. He kept the faith because he cared more about pleasing Jesus than he did about pleasing anyone else. Can we say that right now? Can we say that we care more about pleasing Jesus than anyone else? Keep the faith. 
Students, how do you keep the faith? You care more about the well done than you care about anything else. So students, as we wrap up tonight, we need to live well to end well. And the only way for you to live well is to evaluate your life where you are at now. Are you fighting the good fight? Like, like, are you fighting the good fight of faith? Are you fighting to be the person that you need to be? Are you fighting to bring people to the feet of Jesus? Are you fighting to be more like Jesus in everything that you are? Are you fighting to hold on to what you know you're not supposed to be? And you're only giving Jesus some of your life. You're not giving Jesus all of your life. I beg you to change that tonight. Maybe some of us, are we running the race? Are we... Are we keeping our eyes on Jesus when things are bad? Are we keeping our eyes on Jesus when things are good? What about when they're really hard? Are we continually making sure that we trust Him? Maybe some of us tonight, we have fallen. We have tripped up. We, we are living in our own ways. We're living in our own sin. And right now, we need a Savior to save us again, right? Not, not maybe save us eternally again, but He needs to lift us up right now. I beg you, lift your eyes up tonight. Stand firm. Stand up. Give your life to Jesus saying, listen, I've messed up, but I'm going to point my life back to you. And lastly, are we keeping the faith? Like, do we care more about the well done than we care about any words that anybody else says? Listen, like, that's, that's easier said than done. Like, how does your life look like the well done right now? Only you can make that judge, judgment. Only you can determine, am I living a life right now that if I'm 82 years old and I look back at my life, am I going to have that confidence that Paul is having? Or if I'm living the same trajectory that I'm living now, be honest with yourself, am I going to be a, a life that I'm like, uh-oh, like, like am I going to get in heaven? Am I being the person that Jesus wanted me to be? Or are you, are you going to be a little fearful about meeting Jesus face to face? I beg you, make the decision tonight. Are you going to be all in for Jesus or you're not?